Well, good morning, everybody. I have the honour of being the winner of the Rick Painter Lookalike contest, but I too have just come back from PNG and we uh, spent a great week raising funds for the kids in our school and visiting them as well. But I do have the honour to just wrap up this series that we've been in for the last five weeks, Becoming Wise. Um, and we've really been talking about the wisdom of mature discipleship, often that applies to our older saints. So who was an elder? It's one who's moved past the stage of having to be carried and is now in a place in life where they seek to, to give their lives away for the sake of others. And over the weeks, we've painted three pictures about the sort of wisdom that comes with age and experience. The first picture I call the where else would we go picture. We've seen the way the world works for good and bad. We have experienced Christian faith for all of its ups and downs. We don't understand it all, but we do know that we would rather struggle with God on our side than struggle without him. We've been through some stuff and we've asked ourselves in the middle of grief, this is so hard, but how in the heck could someone get through this without a knowledge of God's love and grace? Where else would we go? Those of you who heard Tom Russo's story from two weeks ago will remember all the things that he experienced as a young man and then how he came to know Jesus. And after that, that was the song of his life, where else would I go? I'm never going back to what I was before. The second picture we painted was that senior saints have a superpower and that is the power to bless others. And we can bless people with our words by really seeing them and acknowledging them, by serving others, and especially with our finances, with our money. The exchange that happens when an older person who is respected and honoured by others really sees and acknowledges and speaks into a younger person's soul is so powerful. It can literally give life to another. The third picture we talked about was this image of coming through life and, and hitting, hitting a wall, a wall of tragedy or pain or disappointment or lack of purpose, and of sitting in the ashes with God until you have the strength to get up and smash through that wall and keep going. We heard Sally Ansell's story three weeks ago, and it was so powerful about uh, the tragedies that have happened in her life and how God met her in that place and helped her eventually to, to get up out of that place of lament and move on to bless others in the way that she does. Now, to finish off this series, I wanted to paint two more pictures. So the first one is this. To become wise, we need to learn to sit in the grey. Now, I remember being young and very opinionated. I know you find that hard to believe, but 
At the age of 18, I thought I knew it all. I'd go home and I'd tell my dad how wise I was, how I had everything sorted out, and he would just smile and listen and perhaps throw in a comment here and there. But I do remember one time when he really arced up and dad wasn't one who did that very often. At the wise old age of about 18, I was pontificating about marriage. I was saying to him that marriage must be 50-50. I was a rampant women's liber at the time. He turned and looked at me and said, that will never work, Marcy. He said, if it's not 100%, 100%, with both partners giving their all, it is bound for failure. Boy, was he right. Another time we were having discussion about welfare payments that people get from the government, like, um, you know, like unemployment benefits, and I'd say, well, if they don't get off their butt and work, they don't deserve anything. My dad would listen to me rant and then he'd said, you know, there could be a lot of reasons why someone can't work. Let's think about the situation from all the angles. Growing up with my dad's influence, my black and white world slowly started to move towards grey. Does that sound like a bad thing? Well, it can sometimes because, of course, we want answers. We want the black and white. We want to know the whys and the how comes. We want solid solutions. But senior saints know that that is not the way that God works. God often does his best work in the mysteries, in the grey, foggy times when we can't see a clear direction. But we have to trust that God is still behind the fog and there will be a sunny day. That God is working things out for our best. It is in those times when I think we grow the most. There's great biblical wisdom about this in the book of Job. Now in the story of Job, this man who, who loved God and was a righteous, a good man, respected in his community, he suffers horrendous loss. It's like his, his house gets blown down and, and all of his children are killed and all of his wealth is taken away from him. And, and then if, if that's not bad enough, he ends up uh, with his health destroyed and he's just sitting, literally sitting in the ashes on the ground with, with sores all over him and grieving the loss of his family and his wealth. And then his so-called friends try, sit around with him, berating him about what he must have done wrong in order for God to be so mad at him to put him in this situation. At the end of the story, and it's 42 chapters of this story in Job, he ends up kicking out his friends and having this screaming showdown, just him and God. He's asking him, please, God, show me, show me. Why have you done this? I don't deserve this pain. And the answer? There was none. There was no clear answer. But God did take him on a mind journey. He showed him 
the cosmos and said, see this world, Job? This solar system, this universe. You see, see the mountains and the sea and, and the, the animals. Who do you think created all this? Are you big enough to do it, Job? And yet you question me. What you see are the works of a God of goodness and beauty. Can you be content to trust me as a lover and the judge of all the world? Can you sit in the grey and be happy to not know all the answers because you know me, the one who does? Well, in the last, in the last chapter of uh, Job, Chapter 42, Job talks to God and he says, I'm convinced you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. You ask me, who is this muddying the water, ignorantly confusing the issues, second guessing my purpose? I admit it. I was the one. I babbled on about things far beyond me, made small talk about wonders that were far above my head. You told me, listen, and let me do the talking. Let me ask the questions and you give me the answers. I admit I once lived by rumours of you. Now I have it all firsthand from my, from my own eyes and ears. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'll never do that again, I promise. I'll never again live on crusts of hearsay, crumbs of rumour. You know, Job never found an answer to the problem of undeserved suffering. But in all the questioning... He found God. Senior saints know that that is where we always find God, in the place of mystery, of unknowing. We know that God is far too big for any box that we want to lock him into. We can sit in a place of not knowing all the answers, but confident that he has it all under his loving hand. And the wisest thing we can say is, the older I get, the more I see, the less confident I am that I have the answers. But the more confident I am that he is Lord over all. Well, the final picture I want to paint is perhaps my favourite of all of them and perhaps the most difficult as well. The greatest indication that you have become a true senior saint, a mature disciple of Christ, is your ability to ponder. Now, ponder is not a word that we use a lot. 
but it was used in the Gospels to describe Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, after the events of of the birth of Christ with, the, you know, the shepherds coming and then the, the wise men coming with their gifts, after all of those amazing things that happened, the Gospels say that she pondered all these things in her heart. Mary seems to be a model of mature discipleship. When the religious authorities, the crowds, even the disciples got it wrong about what Jesus was on about, Mary consistently gets it right. She was the first one to hear about the coming Christ when the angel appeared to her, and she was the first one to humbly obey, let it be done to me. Let God have his way in my life, whatever they may look like. Now, when we think of the word ponder, we often think of it like this. This is Rodin's famous sculpture, The Thinker. We think that to ponder means to think deeply about something and, and consider all of its implications. And, and within the Greek world at the time, that's what it meant. But, but there was a Hebrew meaning of the word. And the Hebrew meaning of the word is more like this. It's more like a water filter. To ponder in the Hebrew sense means to hold, to carry, to transform the tension so as not to give it back in the same spirit. It means sort of to filter or to purify something. Mature senior saints are like water filters. Now let me give you an example from the Gospels. When Jesus was arrested, the disciples fled. They hid. Mary did not flee. She followed Christ. When Christ was crucified, when he was put up on that cross on that hill, the men were not there. Mary stood at the foot of the cross and watched her son die. Now, artists have sometimes depicted her as distraught, you know, lying flat on the ground in hysteria. But in the Gospels, it said she stood. To stand is to be in a position of strength. But it appears that she's not doing anything. You know, the Gospels talk about her standing, but that's all. You know, it, they don't they don't talk about her speaking out or or shouting abuse at, at the soldiers or you know running over and 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 beating the man that was putting the nails through her son's hands. It doesn't it doesn't say that she was pleading for his innocence. What is she doing standing at the foot of the cross? She is pondering. She is being like a water filter. In her silence and strength, she is saying something like this. 
Today, I cannot stop this terrible thing from happening. Sometimes darkness will have its hour, but there is something I can do. I can refuse to let evil win. I will not bow down to anger or bitterness or hatred. I will absorb them and carry them and I will transform them through the power of the Spirit. The power that I saw in my son. They may throw evil and hatred at us, but I will filter it and give back gentleness and understanding and forgiveness, peace, light, courage. She heard her son filter the evil as he was being nailed to the cross. Father, forgive the man who is even now causing me this pain. They don't know what they're doing, whose body they are murdering. This is not an easy thing to do. Everything inside us screams for justice and refuses to stay silent in the face of, of that injustice. Now, this can be a healthy instinct and sometimes acting on it is good. We do need in some situations to throw ourselves into the face of evil and do everything we can to stop it. But wisdom says there are times when darkness is going to have its hour and all we can do is stand under the cross and help absorb that bitterness and filter it into something good. We can be like Mary. I can't stop this, but I can refuse to amplify the evil by joining it in bitterness and hatred. Jesus was the ultimate purifier. He took the sins of the community. He took my sin, your sin. He absorbed them. He carried them. He transformed them. He took in hatred, transformed it, and gave back love. He took in bitterness, transformed it, and gave back grace. He took in curses, transformed them, and gave back blessings. He took in murder, transformed it, and gave back forgiveness. This is the ultimate invitation to mature senior discipleship, to be the water purifiers in our circles of influence, to take in the difficulties and the brokenness and the bitterness, to absorb it, to carry it, to transform it in the power of the Spirit and give back grace and goodness. Now, can I just put a quick caveat here? I'm not talking about putting up with abuse. To absorb abuse does not transform it, it enables it. And we also need to have a healthy outlet for, outlet for our tension. The filter needs cleaning regularly. 
Let me give you some examples of what this filtering can look like in everyday life. I, like many of you mothers and fathers out there, have had a child come home from school upset because they were being bullied. And every, every aspect of my being just wanted to hit back, literally. <laughs> I, I, you know, I wanted to hurt that child the way that they'd hurt mine. But I found myself having to absorb it, to transform it, and to hear what God was saying to me. And the words that came out of my mouth to my kids were not, well, when you get back there tomorrow, you give him back what he gave you. I found myself saying to them, you know, hurt people often hurt people. What do you think might be happening in their life to make them behave like that? Just recently, my husband had quite a, quite a devastating email from a person who we felt was an old time friend. And it would have been very easy to, to just cut that person off why put up with that pain? Well, we heard recently that his, his wife is suffering quite badly in the last, the last months of a cancer diagnosis. So all Rick could do was just pour out grace and love to this man, saying that we would pray for him and if there was anything that we could do, we were there for him. Perhaps my most enduring memory of this pondering, of this ability to absorb evil and change it, was watching our friend Mark Ansell at his son's funeral. I remember him standing at the front of the church while we were worshipping his arms up in the air. It's like he was saying, darkness will have its hour, but I'm going to stand in the grace and love of God, knowing that the dawn is coming and he has already won the victory. Mark was pondering. He was being a water filter. Mature saints out there who are hearing this today, what are you called to ponder? To absorb to filter, to transform, to flow back out in forgiveness and grace. I know there's stuff happening in your family. There always is in every family. There's stuff happening in our church family. But it needs you, the senior saints, to ponder to stand in the face of brokenness and change it. Well, for this series, we've had the enduring image of the velveteen rabbit who was loved so much that his hair fell out and he became shabby. But he found that this was the price he paid to be real. And the reason we can joyfully pay this price is because our God hung on a cross to show us what real love looks like. He showed us that real love is real sacrifice, 
and the humble laying down of our own lives in the service to others. This is the God we worship. And if we are faithfully following him, we are becoming wise.